this camera too? Yeah, we're rolling. We're Officially rolling. here? We're live. Oh, let's do this. <laughs> What's up team? Welcome back to talking about performance. Super pumped today to tap in. Doctor of Physical Therapy, owner of Victory Sports Performance. Victory Performance, Performance. and Physical Therapy. Performance and Physical Therapy. Mr. Dr. Santo Riva. Hey, hey. He's got his shoes off. I feel a little out of place. I don't have my shoes uh, or my socks off yet, but uh, <laughs> we are sponsored by Layered Superfood, and uh, you can use code TIMBRO20 for 20% off all the Layered Superfood essentials. Now, we're doing this new thing where each new guest, we're, we tap you in, kind of like, like you're tapping into a, a, a sports game. So you gotta, we gotta start there. You gotta give me the high five, we're tapping you in. You ready to talk about performance? Let's do it. Okay, so we have a lot of athletes and a lot of our, we call it Jamily, and it's just a family that supports each other uh, in our pursuit of peak performance and our best selves and jam state, you could say. So uh, we get a lot of people that really get passionate about the industry but coming up we don't nobody really knows what the industry is and you started off as a physical therapist um and now you're really what i'm seeing here is you're really integrating getting people out of pain into high performance and everything in between and i'd like to just start by kind of hearing how you arrived at that because that's high high level practitionership that in traditional you know, you're just a chiropractor, you're just a physical therapist, you only take the athlete through getting them out of pain or the client. Uh, but you're doing it A to Z, and that's admirable, and not everybody's doing that. It's kind of ahead of the curve. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you found uh, your passion, and, and how you ended up with this amazing facility in Culver City? Yeah, so, um, all right, here my history. Here's where, where it is or where it started from. Like, just as a kid, um, I was always very fascinated with like movement. I grew up playing ice hockey and 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 sports, um, and even just like working out, physique, aesthetics. Um, I was always very interested by it. I remember being younger and like wanting to be able to join a gym, and I don't think they would let like they didn't let kids go to gyms, you know. And uh, my dad had taken me around to different places to see like where could I go and like work out and exercise. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, going on, getting older, teenage years at my high school, they had a, a, a weight room and I would go after school and, and hit the weight room. And I, I loved that. It was, it was such like a, a valuable experience for me and learning how to stick with the program and seeing the, you know, direct results of doing something like that. And like for like scholastic stuff, like school, like it, it I don't know, it just like, doing homework and doing all of that, it, it was easy for me. It came easy, but I didn't get the same sort of um, feeling of accomplishment as like going into the weight room and like being able to like lift heavier weights. Um, fast forward to like senior year and I was like, yeah, like I think I wanna do something with, you know, with fitness and, um, you know, maybe be a personal trainer. Like that was that was what my, my eyes saw. I never had physical therapy. I didn't even know what it was. Um, but I was like, okay, like I can help people like get in better shape. I was already helping some of my friends uh, at the time during high school. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a personal trainer. This was my idea back then. I was like, I'm gonna be a personal trainer. I also really like cooking. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get like a, a really like rich 
client that's going to be an investor for me to like open up a restaurant. And that was, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was, that was at 18, 17, 18. Like that was, that was my, my thought that was going to be my hustle to like be a personal trainer and work with these like, you know, high end clients. And then like ultimately use that as like a platform to, to do something different. Um, Anyways, went to went to school undergrad UC Santa Barbara, um, and uh, probably like lost a lot of my focus because I was just having too much fun, <laughs> you know. And um, and it happens. It's good. What college, were you whatever. Uh, nothing. I don't know. That's what my, <laughs> my parents would have said. Yeah, no, drinking beer, and uh, yeah, sixteen inch curls. Uh-huh. Um, but it was sociology. It was good. It was interesting. I was always very like fascinated by by people and the, and the way that they interact. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I was also doing, I also did a minor in personal fitness. That was what they had available at the time. I don't, I don't even think they had a kinesiology program or if I even knew what kinesiology was. Mm-hmm. Like it was a little misdirected, um, in my youth. And, um, and so I did this and I was like, okay, like I still want to like do this path, becoming a personal trainer. And, um, and my, my dad was all, he always pushed me like, oh, you need more education. You should go back to school. You should get higher education. Um, and met the medical field for him was always one that he was like, yeah, you'll always be able to work with that. You know, it's safe. He, he had his own business. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the stress and strain of being like a business owner for him, um, was like, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want it. He didn't wish that upon, upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was like, find a find a stable job in the medical field, mm-hmm. right? And so um, after I'd finished school, I was still living in Santa Barbara, and I was doing some personal training with people. And um, at one of the facilities that I was at, there was a group of people that would come in with like a cardiac rehab program, and it was through physical therapy practice. Um, and that was really like where I learned about physical therapy. I I'd never had, it. I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went and I interned at this place and I was like, oh wow, like the, the physical therapists, like they just seem to know so much about the body and like movement. They're like fixing people, just having them do these things that look like the stuff that I'm doing as a, as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but was different, you know? Um, and there was things that I really liked about it, but there is also things like inherently that I was like, but it seems weird. Like it's like personal training, but it's not really. And, um, and I don't know, it just, it, yeah, I guess it just didn't really fully sit right with me. And like the, this insurance thing and having to like write all these notes and like not know if you were going to get paid or not. Um, and, and like putting this blue goo on people and doing ultrasound. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was stuff that I was like, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, a couple years later, I did end up deciding, okay, physical therapy, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. I was still, I still, my dad was still on my back about like going back to school. Um, and, um, and it took me a couple years to get the, get the Santa Barbara bug out of me because I was just, I was having too much fun. <laughs> I really was. Um, and, uh, and so, Basically, I ended up at PT school at, at University of Southern California. Um, it was like the only school I wanted to go to. They were number one in the in the nation in the country, and I was like, I want to I want to go to the best. I want to be the best, and um, and this is like how I'm how I'm going to do it. This is the path that I want to take to to get there. And you knew you were going to go DPT because a lot of people go 
just physical therapy assistant because it's not nearly as intensive and DPT takes three years. That's a big commitment. A lot of people are on the fence. How did you make that decision? Well, to become an assistant, that I don't know. That never really even crossed my mind. Like again, I didn't, I didn't know much. So I didn't even realize there was like this different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, I knew I wanted that doctorate. Um, and now, like in twenty twenty, all the schools, uh, it's it's the entry level is the doctorate level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we're at as a, as an industry, or as a profession. But so I went and did. I, I went to school. Um, during school, um, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I I tried a lot of different things. I worked with neural populations. I worked with you know people that had strokes or brain injuries. I worked with people that um, you know ended up in the hospital because of infections and they just needed to walk. Like I did a lot of different things, but like the orthopedic side of it, or working with like athletes or people that were motivated to get better, was more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so from there, um, I decided in my last year of PT school that I also wanted some, you know, more help to become a better therapist. So at this time it was still all about for me, um, being like the best practitioner, like having more letters after my name and Mm -hmm. just being really good at, at a trade. Um, and, and so I did that. Uh, and it was it was a great experience, and I still learned a lot. Um, and then I went and I worked at a at a clinic where I was seeing so many patients in an hour that like all of this like you know these clinical type of skills didn't prepare me for that truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up being more about like people management and not really like being able to solve really solve their problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, truthfully, like I didn't even understand how to fully get at what their real problems were um and then understanding like how could i um how could i really actually solve solve their problems or was i equipped to solve their problems um and was this the right place for them was it the right fit for them it was just you know people in front of you and you had to like make them feel like they're being cared for Mm -hmm. but ultimately like i knew like there's no way that i was going to be able to give them the time um necessary or like, you know, really like all of these years of training and, and learning that I had, like, you just can't explain stuff to people in three minutes, which is what I had, you know, yeah. while I was still screaming across the, the floor at somebody to do an exercise differently and, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to welcome somebody else who's coming in. And, and it just, it's uh, unfortunately, that's like the, the state, the state of healthcare. But anyways, um, I left, I left and I said, you know, I want to do this differently and, um, and just to, you know, not get too down too far a road with this, I decided to open this and that understanding of like, like coming from a, from a, a personal training background, like where people were like interested and really valued what you were doing from them. Um, and then being like a physical therapist where you're like, nobody even knows what I do for them and they don't value it. And like here I spent $150,000 on a education that really like people don't, don't resonate with, or they don't value what I'm doing. They don't even want to pay any money for it. They think that it should all be free. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I said, you know, I need to figure out, I need to figure out why that is. And I want to, I want people to value 
what I'm doing, not because, not for me, not for my own self-validation, but because as a physical therapist, like we, we are really equipped to help people, um, much more than like most people mm-hmm. and not everybody. And like, and, and I've really, I've really stepped off the, the ego train, um, because it's not about me. It's about the person that's in front of me and helping mm-hmm. them achieve what they want. Um, and it doesn't matter what letters I have after the name. It's, it's just, you know, it's results and, and it's about connecting with people and it's about, um, helping them solve whatever the problem is that's in front of them. Um, with the unique skill set that I have and for the things that I'm not equipped to do making sure that they know who they should be talking to or who they should be you know dealing with or what they should do and at least giving them my my expertise in that matter um, and a lot of times you know it's 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 not just expertise it, it, it really is that connection and like wanting what's best for the person mm-hmm. in front of you and you know being able to say when when something is in your wheelhouse, hey, look, this is what needs to be done. And when something's not in your wheelhouse, look, I don't know. And it's okay to do that. Yeah. Well, before we go into the philosophy behind victory, um, during this time coming up, were there any major influences in the world of high performance and physical therapy that really, that you just consider your mentors or somebody that really molded your philosophy? Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty interesting. And, and during my time, like as a, as a PT, you know, it was, or like going through PT school, um, a lot of it were, were like my professors that I, that I looked up to that I thought, you know, they, you know, they really know what they're doing and they're, you know, they can talk about this bone and this muscle and this, you know, and this action, um, here and there and, and and that was those were the people that like I had looked up to and I was like I just want to get really good at, at my trade um, and then and then you finish school and you're like okay well like maybe I need to look into some other you know some other different directions of, of um, ways to help me understand performance better and um, you know and I started taking courses and I was like oh wow like a lot of these things like uh, Mary Gary Gray um, is is really huge for me, and I and I love his philosophy and the and the way that he mm-hmm. teaches things. And I was like, oh wow, like a lot of the things that I had learned in school was really just like from him, you know. Um, and um, and and so here, what am I trying to to say here? So I started looking more at like people that were talking about the principles, right? And it's it's always about understanding the principles so that you can go and, and move things and, and what I really liked about Gary Gray was that he also talked about things in a, a biopsychosocial model so yes performance was very important um, but also who is this person that's that's sitting in front of you mm-hmm. um, and then coming back to that like sociology background that I have like that just it just made sense to me um, and and then you know I, I would say actually my business coach who he's a physical therapist he used to work with a, a soccer club in the UK his name is Paul Goff and he um, the way that he started talking about um, again like people about that person in front of you and being able to really solve their problem and understand them to be able to put together the right thing that they're gonna you know be able to stick with right um, I think that that has helped me and really helped my patients or my clients get 
better results because now I understand how to communicate with better or communicate with better with people better to help them understand what's really involved in becoming high performing Mm -hmm. or accomplishing their you know accomplishing their goals Um, and that was that was something that looking looking back at you know all of this journey of like trying to get more letters after my name or be the best practitioner it was a big gaping hole for me um, when it came to really actually being able to help people on on such a deeper level and bridge this you know I have a hurt knee to well it's not the hurt knee it's, that's the problem it's that I can't you know that people keep beating me in races right or that I can't um, we're talking about ultimate here with um, with DC like um, you know that I can't jump high enough to, to catch the disc and then cut quick enough to you know to make a you know to make yeah. a goal or a touchdown or whatever right. so so that was that was it and that's really the the basis for like this this bridge of taking somebody from physical therapy we'll call it right to performance but it's really all the same thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. here's where i am here's where i want to go how do we get there and then that's where i come in you know and it's more than just the programming it's it's really it, it's it's motivation it's constantly checking in it's setting measurable objectives it's um setting expectations on what's going to happen when so that you know so that people stay involved um and and that's really what it is and that's that's at least today um when i look at like why we're successful um that's it because everything is about the person in front of me um and taking the knowledge that I have and the principles, you know, and looking at it from, you know, from the higher level of here's where they are, here's where they want to go. And here's this real live person in front of me and, and talking about the things that are important to them, um, how we get them there. Well, I just kudos to you because I think it's here in your background. I think it's so cool how you've created the space for you to be able to leverage your background in communication and social, personal training physical therapy and rehab, and then just the fact that you're a fun-loving dude that, you know, you come in, Bob Marley's on the radio, and like, the, all the art here, all, some of my athletes see the art, they're like, oh my God, that's a famous painter, you gotta look him up. And this is just, when it comes to rehab or high performance, a lot of times the clients, the people come in, uh, and they're in a vulnerable state, because they're not able to do what they love to do best. And that's where us as, you know, practitioners need to be empathetic of that and create an environment for them to be able to, you know, really thrive. And with what I've seen here, this is just, you're able to do this on, you know, A to Z, and it's, it's awesome. So congratulations on morphing all those things together and, and bringing it to, to the world. Um, so on that note, maybe just a little bit about the general philosophy of performance. And I know you just went into it a little bit, but in regards to victory, what is victory all about? And what does performance mean to this particular facility? Cool. Um, DC, can you turn the heat, the heater all the way down? Yeah. So what does performance mean to me, right? Or to us here, and uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it means to me. Like, it matters what it means to the person in front of me. And for some people, performance is 
being able to go out and play football with their husband in a co-ed league on a Sunday, right? And they want to, and they're competitive and they want to be able to kick ass, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's more than just winning. It's that time that they spend with their spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people it's, you know, I, um, I play professionally or I'm in like a minor league team and I need to be able to, to win, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and for that, like, for them or the way that we manage that it's like we need to know everything that they're doing are they getting the recovery time that they need um what other coaches or trainers are they working with and how can we integrate what you know what our specialties are here with their specialties um and then for some people it's just i need to perform at work and this back pain is you know is taking my brain you know my my mental brain space away from me I can't you know I can't finish the day because the last two hours of it like I just have to get up and like walk around or lay on the floor like performance is so um, so unique mm-hmm. to to individual. each individual person and so you mentioned some of the specialties do you have any certain specialties that you you would like victory to be known for yeah, so in terms of like a specialty, this is this is our message to people is is we help people get out of pain so that they can be the best version of themselves. Love it. Right. And so it starts with like when I say pain, it um it's primarily um primarily like musculoskeletal, right? So something with their bones, with their muscles, sometimes it's nerve stuff. Um but you can't like you can't separate that pain like musculoskeletal also from like the emotional trauma that people go through, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of it too. And by no means are we saying that we're psychotherapists or whatnot. But it, it is. Bit. I mean, I mean, people open up to us. They <laughs> yeah. do. They really open up to us. Um, and for people that need more, you know, we have people that we can we recommend them to mm-hmm. that are pain specialists or that deal with working with people that have gone through some trauma. Um, but there's no, you can't like disconnect it. And like, it's, it's just like, it's all part of it. The brain, the brain controls everything from the musculoskeletal system to the nervous system to your emotions and how you feel. And, and there's no real, like, you know, this is not what we do, but we do make sure that like, that these are things that are like within our wheelhouse to treat. And so it's helping people get out of pain and helping them be their best. And we feel that like the, the work that we do here, um, whether it's, you know, just holding people accountable to, to, um, um, to whatever the goals are that they set, um, to just being a place where they can come and, and talk and people actually like listen to them. Like that's all, that's all part of it. It's a community, welcoming community. Um, so assess like there's a lot of places that use systems like they'll take the SFMA for like one of my coaches is in uh, Beyond Strength up in Portland Maine and they do a lot of SFMA and PRI. Um, DC has been teaching me FRC and I know y'all do a lot of what is it BFR, um, just in terms of taking some of these other systems and integrating them into your practice do you have certain systems that you gravitate towards have you created your own does it have an assessment with it you know like does where does the average client start with do you do an fms or how do you know where this client wants to go and what systems are you integrating yeah that's a good that's a good question um 
if you're talking about just like movement-based assessments, um, we do, we, we created a, a move better performance and injury screen. Um, I don't remember there, there's probably some things on there that are similar to what would be in an SFMA or an FMS. Um, ultimately like what these systems are is that they, they do allow you to, you know, objectively measure something, um, and have a point to refer back to. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you feel that like their hip flexion isn't as good as it should be, right? Um, and you pick this up doing this screen, you can give something that should specifically help this hip flexion, right? Um, and then you you can measure it again in the same way, the same standardized way. Now, there's always an important part of making sure that like you're not just measuring things to measure them and that there, there is like a reason why you would want to prove this. So like if you don't, if you don't get like a, a two on this, you know, on this test or three or whatever it is, like, yeah, you need to work on that, but maybe not. Like maybe it's not important for what their sport is or what their skill is or what they want to be able to do. Um, and so the, the assessment tools are, um, yeah, they're helpful for, for giving you a number to something, but they don't really tell you like what is going to be most valuable to work on because it, it takes out like that person that's in front of you. It's mm -hmm. just a, it's just a tool, um, to help guide decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's important to be able to look at the full picture, um, and really determine like what are the limiting factors that are, you know, let's say if we're, if we're talking about pain, someone's back pain, like what of these things is really contributing to their back pain, knowing their history, knowing the types of activities that they do and knowing um, the types of activities that they want to be able to do, mm -hmm. right? Um, so we do, like I said, we have a standardized test that we use or a screen, um, but typically with our, with our people coming in for physical therapy, um, we don't use that. We have, I mean, it's, it's a lot more based on our, um, clinical judgment and clinical patterns that we're used to seeing. Um, and also again, like what they're telling us so that we can get the most, um, we can maximize the use of their time in front of us. Um, and then from there, you know, it, it's, it's us being able to, again, like talk to them about like, what are their goals and how do they want to get there so that we can put together the plan that's going to be most effective for them. And that one that they're going to be successful in, you know, and that we can work together as a team to help get them towards the desired outcome that they want. Um, when it comes to other, like, we'll say, you know, exercise systems. Um, yeah, we, we are like the FR, the FR system, functional range conditioning or functional range systems that, um, Dr. Andrea Spina put together. We love that, that, that is a, um, a big basis of, of the work that we do. Um, and you know, just like, from uh, so that that system that system is like relatively new, um, and I'm sure he would say it himself like no, nothing that's in there is new. Like biology hasn't changed. Right. Like it's all about adaptations, right? But he put it together in a in a beautifully wrapped box mm -hmm. uh, in the way that he can talk about you know why these things are happening is is you know it's it's um, second to none. Right. Um, and so we use those principles because it's also a, a very easy to convey, um, you know, convey these sort of simple ways of putting, um, putting together why, why we're doing this and it makes sense to our mm -hmm. clients. Um, so I'd say we use that and then we combine it with, um, with a lot of like the Gary Gray stuff, which is, you know, 
loading, it's movement. It's a lot more, um, at least from from what I've seen. Um, and maybe they're changing some of this stuff um, with FR, but um, it is more about movement and mechanics and loading. And so again, it's loading, but it's there's more loading through a range of motion. It's more treating through movements and movement planes um, and things against gravity um, that I think that the two the two systems work really well with each other mm-hmm. um, because you're doing you know end range strengthening um, or you're trying to make your nervous system feel good through end range um, but then now with with um, like Gary Gray stuff now you're actually moving through you're loading through the entire range of motion not just um, contracting at an end range or moving slowly through an end range like this is about speed it's about performance it's about um actually like doing things under gravity in the way that like if you're playing a sport how you would need to to use them mm-hmm. or if you're just living life you know against gravity standing up how you would be using your range of motion or your right. mobility can we just uh, real quick dive down like just quickly summarize we threw out a lot of acronyms that maybe the audience isn't familiar with just like this like sfma fms like just real quick just summary, just in case people are hearing that when they go to a physical therapist, they're like, oh, we love the FMS. Like, if people are aware of just what, you know, what totally. this stuff is, just real quick. We got the peanut gallery over here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go into that? What well, SF, so, uh, I, well, I mean, SFMA? Yeah, for, first I just wanted to say, like, there's so many nuggets in what you just went into. Um, and I think that, like, takeaway wise, a lot of people just coming up, they, or, early in their careers, they want a system to validate what they're doing and it makes it easier for people to go, okay, I just use the FMS, this has been proven and so I'm just gonna start here. But I think long-term and what's cool about what you're saying and what you're, you, you, the, the kind of where you are in your career is you've studied so many different things that you're able to kind of take all these systems and just take out what works for that particular client and integrate it's not any one thing it's it's everything and you've got a big toolbox and that's why you know the, the time you spent getting all these acronyms and studying all these things like it was worth it but comes a time where we kind of got to let go of that and say like we have these knowledge we have all these tools let's just integrate and do what's best for this particular case um, but that's also because we have talking about performance podcasts we have so many people that will look to somebody like you and, and resonate and go I want to do what Santo is doing, like that's my goal. And so they're going to want to follow, you know, your path. And so some of these things that we found to be helpful, DPT is doctor physical therapy. Um, FMS is the functional movement systems, which was developed by uh, Gray Cook, which was just a basic uh, seven test where you get a zero if it's painful, one, two, or three, and, and the max score you can get is 21, and that just shows kind of an assessment and then there's a bunch of things that go along with it that show like you said hip flexion you score low on the hip flexion test well there's a bunch of exercises that are going to help you improve that and the goal in that system would be able to be you know high functioning 18 to 21 and that can show a lot of asymmetries and it's also a good way to kind of sell clients early on if you take them through these tests and they're getting ones and and on things it's like okay you got an 11 we need you to get a 15 before we can do you know the high performance stuff so it can be helpful in that regard um and then the functional range conditioning by dr spina uh that's a whole system based around uh 
may, cars? Like maybe explain. Well, the the system. I mean, I would say the system is based on on biology and like um, specific adaptations. And um, I'm I I don't know if I could fully explain it in one sentence, um, but the I, I feel like the gold of it is that you're teaching people how to move better um, by priming their nervous system but also working through like end range strength and it's all about joint health and getting people to to use their, their full range of motion um, and use what's available to them and understanding the difference between like or understanding or, or uh, let me see like teaching their nervous system how to maximally or most effectively use the range of motion that they already have um so for like i don't want to go into that but but basically yeah it's bridging the gap between your active um, and passive flexibility so like flexibility would be um i can if you're standing up i can take your leg and you know lift it up as high as possible without anything else moving um and then actually having mobility or like the active flexibility would be you can do that same thing and move through that same exact range of motion mm -hmm. so if injury happens when the load to the tissue exceeds the tissue's capacity to you know handle that load this is about training the the system or training the tissues to be able to hand load or handle load um, through bigger ranges of motion. Totally, and I think that's super valuable with average clients that come in that have been influenced by bodybuilding or group fitness because we see so many just you know bodybuilding exercises that they're training the joint through partial range. It's like this is their bicep curl, or this their push up, they stop there so they can get more reps and yeah. just teaching people, hey, use your full range. Uh, is valuable and then teaching people to go slow everybody faster sometimes feels better so a lot of times people want to go fast and that's uh this is one of the reasons that learning frc is good for me because i just want to go fast um <laughs> but you know it's delayed gratification it's it's doing the things to prepare you to go fast um and then what were the other two there's pri which is the postural restoration institute developed by ron ruska out in uh, nebraska and that's a system founded on just the fact that almost all humans are very asymmetrical. We've got three points of attachment to the diaphragm uh, on one side of the lumbar spine, only two on the other side, you know, our hearts on one side. We have very asymmetrical organs. So they found things that apply to almost all humans where it's not 100%, but most humans are stuck into the right hip and we need more right glute activation, left adductor activation, get out of the hip and left uh, side crunch to be able to open up where we tend to be compressed on the right side. So it's a lot of breathing work and things to help kind of uh, release and then reposition into somewhat of a symmetrical position, even though symmetry is impossible in the human body. Um, and the last one was BFR. What's BFR is blood flow restriction therapy. So that's the the goal of that um, is basically you are um, you're compressing the um, the artery and also the venous return not completely the venous return but what happens is you end up with this um, metabolic um, byproduct that is um, um, basically it causes like metabolic stress in the body right so like when you're lifting weights normally you're trying to cause uh, and create a mechanical breakdown of the muscle tissue mm -hmm. well you can have this same breakdown with this metabolic like um, metabolic stress 
Um, so it causes muscle degradation and it facilitates the same type of, um, of responses in your body to build back stronger. So it, uh, it uh, facilitates the same sort of like protein synthesis to build muscle. Um, but you don't have to lift as heavy. So like you lift heavy to cause a, the mechanical breakdown. Right. Give us an example of exercise here. And can you double check that, Ron? Sometimes that's funny. Okay, cool. Um, so an exercise, th there's no specific exercise, but you're putting these bands around, like, around your legs or around your arms or whatever it might be. And because you're not getting the full venous return, this metabolic byproduct is developed. So I would put a band around here and I would around your thigh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we, we actually, we take measurements to make sure that your leg isn't going to fall off or break, <laughs> you know, or, or that, yeah, you yeah. know, or, or go necrotic. Uh -huh. Um, but it just, it creates this pump of, of like, of, um, of blood that's able to get through, but not able to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and it breaks down muscle tissue. Okay. And so the muscle tissue is broken down. So there's the regular protein synthesis that happens to build it back up, which is how you get stronger. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to do as much weight. So you're not you're doing much higher volume with much lower weight. So like in the like in a recovery type of a situation where you can't have somebody squatting with 200 pounds on their back, they're doing body weight squat, but they're still causing um, hypertrophy. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it, voodoo banding would be is different because voodoo banding we're not necessarily doing exercise. Yeah, we're the voodoo band is the, well. The voodoo banding, from my understanding, is like more of like a mobility tool. Yeah, I don't know. That never made any sense to me either. But I don't know whatever whatever it is. I mean, it works on the nervous system. I'll show you, I'll show you a couple of useful things like for getting out inflammation, kind of like groceries, garbage out, groceries in. Uh -huh. um, like for example, I have a big. I, I chronically inflamed right here. So if I take a, a voodoo band and I really wrap it and compress it, and then I just go through maybe 20 reps here, all that inflammation is pushed out and then fresh groceries, good cool. blood, healing blood is pushed in. Cool. Uh, and then all the you know fascia manipulation and stuff. Yeah. So this is fun. We could go all day. Let's get into some of these nugget questions that I think you'll have fun with. Okay. Um, did we cover everything, Peanut Gallery? <laughs> <laughs> so... There's just this constant uh, learning and experimenting and then reflection process as practitioners. We learn something, we try it, and then we see how it works and we think about you know, what we can do better and how we can evolve our program. Um, almost all of us have come across something that is, we thought we were just like 100%, I believe this to be true. And then after years or after experience, we learned that maybe I was a little too ta attached to that idea. Maybe it was my ego kind of thing. So is there anything that like that, that have you've like, you know what? I used to believe this to be true. I've changed my mind. Uh, probably the, the biggest one and the most humbling thing was after I'd finished PT school and I was on, I was doing my residency. Um, it was, I mean, it's a big overarching thing. It was that I'm always right. You know, like I've just paid all this money for this education and, you know, ultrasound is bullshit. I'm not going to do it, you know, uh -huh. and, um, and, and this happened. Somebody came in and they wanted ultrasound. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to work for you. Um, and then they never came back. I never had another opportunity to, to help them. So all my knowledge in the world didn't matter because I couldn't connect with this person and mm -hmm. understand that, like, even though I didn't find value in it, they found value in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and it, and it was for them. And had I done that, taking that five minutes, you know, they probably would have come back and I would have been able to actually, you know, 
sneak in or put in these other things that I knew, you know, just based on like science would be more valuable to be able to allow me to help them. But my ego got in the way. Right. Okay. So there's uh, that's good. There's a couple of things about the business model that I'm curious about because when I look at just the athletes that I know in this area and I, I think a lot of people don't know about you and know what a great resource this is. I mean, it's so cool being out at Frisbee with DC. Everybody trusts him and, and comes up to him like, hey, my shoulder hurts. And, you know, he's out there teaching this stuff and just very generous with his time. I think that it's just a matter of time before you, you start getting more and more, if you're open to it, more and more athletes that would be interested in y'all. So you do physical therapy. So you have an athlete or a human, a client that comes in and they need rehab. What does the an athlete that's not in pain mm-hmm. and just wants to perform, do you do one-on-one personal training? Do you do group training? All the above? Kind of what's that model for somebody that's healthy and just wants to peak for a competition? Yeah, I mean, we work with a lot of people like that. And, um, and again, I, I, I sort of like, I try to get out of, uh, at least how I view what we do is like just being physical therapy and I use those terms because it makes sense for people um, just like personal training makes sense for people mm-hmm. and just and you know and just as uh, what I found to be true was that they looked at these things as being different things uh, but we solve problems so if somebody comes in and they're like I don't have any pain um, but I want to get better at this like I you know I, I sometimes like I feel like I don't walk right or my hip is tight or whatever it is it's it's okay like we're, we're going to figure out where you're at and then we're gonna figure out where you wanna go. And then how quick do you wanna get there? How much are you gonna do on your own? You know, How much time can you commit to this? What are the other things that you're doing? Um, and we have different options for them. So we have the group classes, we have personal training, and we have, you know, you can work with a, with a doctor of physical therapy to you get there. You have group classes. Yeah, can you talk yeah. Classes? Well, so, so we have, what we found um, to be like what, what most of people's problems were were either like mobility problems and it could be, you know, um, we'll we'll just put it like this. Mobility problems are strength problems and they're kind of both related in a way. Um, But if you don't have mobility through your thoracic spine, like let's say you can't get overhead to to do a snatch or clean a jerk or or throw a football or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so working on their mobility would help their performance. Mm -hmm. Then you have people that just really don't have the strength necessary to do this the task that they want to do. They want to run, but they can't do you know they can't do fifty single leg heel raises. But you want to be able to run for you know five miles, six miles. Like it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Like the, this that's an endurance sport. Like you don't get in shape by running. Like you right. need to be in shape to run. <laughs> um, and so like for example, the very flexible female. Um, yogi that maybe picks up running right and they just aren't strong enough mm-hmm. like that's it like if they were stronger they wouldn't be having this hip pain mm-hmm. you know they don't do any strength training and so our strength class is focused on teaching people how to do like the main sort of movements that your bodies need to do which is hinge and squat and pull and push um, and so that's where our like our foundational strength class goes and they're all there to, to help support people like our, our clients take them and they're designed in a way that like you can you can self-select how hard you're going to push yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very, you know, results driven and, and focused. And um, and it's a great way for people to complement what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way for people that don't want to stretch to come in and just like, I'm going to do this. This class is very focused on actually helping my mobility, not just, you know, 
not just kind of relaxing me or, or, or whatever. So, right. um, so yeah, it's, it's, everything is very personalized and that's why we'll take the time to actually help them because if you put them in the wrong place, you put someone in the wrong place, like they're not going to stick with it if they're not getting the results that they expect, not that they hope for, but they need to have the expectation set so that they understand yeah, you can do these classes. It's not going to be as targeted and you're not going to get there as quickly. Um, and you're going to have to be a lot more motivated to make sure you show up. Right. Mm -hmm. Just compared to, or compared to like, I mean, if you're a professional athlete, you're going in and working with trainers and, and everybody like, I don't know, five hours a day, mm -hmm. like they're going to get there quicker than right. someone who's working five hours a week. Right. Nice. I love that you, uh, you brought up the fact that runners should be able to do 50 body weight heel drops to be able to run. I mean, so many people don't even think about that. They, so many running injuries. We don't even want to go down that uh, wormhole cause it's just, it's so simple, but people just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So I want to, we don't have a ton of time, but I just, I, I want to get a couple things out. Um, a couple questions first, where did the word victory come from? Why is that? <laughs> the uh, so when I, when I left my other job and I was like, I'm going to, you know, the, this was this, like really what this is right now was, was, it was all in my head back then. Like, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and, and we, me and my wife, we put like a list together of words that we felt like would, um, would brand well basically, but also like had, um, that people would wouldn't just think like physical therapy rehab because I mean unfortunately like it, physical therapy doesn't mean anything to anybody right and so what did we want to you know as a brand align ourselves with that um, that had a, a good name you know that mm -hmm. that people would be like oh yeah you know just looking at the name like okay that sounds like something that for people that are like athletes or, or want to do more that aren't mm -hmm. just you know looking for like the standard like just to get me out of pain yeah driven fix. people that are willing to do the work yeah yeah I mean well you, you bring up the people just trying to get out of pain kind of the quick fix kind of thing I think the average doctor deals with more of those people than the tradition than people that we're trying to work with the driven people so in general general practitioners are gonna send a physical therapy prescription to just the physical therapist who probably does the most billable insurance and that works really well with that particular doctor because it's all about money in the healthcare system. So almost everybody that is listening is going to have at some point in their career is going to go as athletes is going to have to go through physical therapy. Do you have any advice on how to navigate and choose a physical therapist? even when the doctor that they trust is telling them to go to this particular therapist, but that might not be the best for them because it might end up being like how you, you know, one of your first experiences where you're, you know, yelling across the room at this person. And that's kind of what traditional physical therapy is like. And I've gotten frustrated as a, you know, performance facilitator. A lot of times it's like, you're not making progress because you're going to this billable, physical therapist that's kind of stretching you out and just putting ultrasound and doing things that probably we could get you there faster. So how do we select, how do we take ownership over our process 
and you know better select a physical therapist that's a great question and, and i love how that's you, dc's <laughs> credit, credit I, love, you know, I, I love how you put the ownership part in it because that's that's really what it it starts with mm -hmm. is the person taking a you know a look inside themselves to say what is most important what do you want to get out of this you know and then and then you go from there and you call and you ask and if mm -hmm. someone can't take you know 20 minutes on the phone to answer your questions and make you feel confident mm -hmm. that they understand you and what your problem is and you know and what you're looking for them to do for you and if they say well we do physical therapy then they don't get it mm -hmm. right but but yeah i mean it's it's all part of it and if and, and the question that we will ask people is you know is finding a place that's going to take your insurance the most important thing for you and if it is, then, you know, I mean, I, it, it's, it's okay. Like I, yeah. I, I get it. I totally get it. And it's, it's, um, it's just, it's, the, it's the way that like society sort of, or like, it's, it's just the, how do I put this? Um, there's no education around it, right? Like we're, we're not educated to really value our health until we don't have it. That's mm -hmm. the way that our brains are wired, right? That's why for us, it sells more to say we get people out of pain than we'll keep you out of pain. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why our messages, our marketing messages about getting people out of pain because mm -hmm. nobody wants to pay to stay out of pain, right. you know, or less people want to pay to stay out of pain because there's no value in it. Right. It's not valued the same way as having, you know, an, an iPhone that has three lenses on is, right. right? It's not, you know, or being able to take a picture at a you know at this fancy meal and post it to your Instagram like it doesn't have the same amount of value um, as these other things do in our society mm -hmm. right and so people are making um, making decisions based on what society says is valuable because it's because there's no thinking involved with that right it's right. just well this is what everybody does right. supposedly or this is what I see everybody doing right um, but there's, you know, there comes a time when people need to decide what what is valuable for me. What do I want to get out of this, you know? And, you know, if if this is something that's really important to me, like on the other end of things, you know, how much if this problem was really fixed, um, you know, how much value would that really truthfully bring to my life? And is it worth spending that money to get there? Right. Take ownership. Question everything. Yeah. Um, so y'all do not take insurance, correct? So not directly. I mean, we help people. We help people out. We're, we're technically like an out-of-network out provider. Right. Uh, and that allows us to have a business that can provide high value. Yeah. I mean, the best physical therapy and rehab practices that I've been to are all that model. I don't know if there's a reason for that, but... I mean, of course there is. <laughs> because like... I mean, this is like a complicated topic, but ultimately, um, you work for the people that pay you, mm -hmm. right? And healthcare practices work for insurance companies, no matter like any way around it. It's true. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And yes, true. people are paying their healthcare, you know, their insurance or whatever. But it's the insurance that's paying, you know, and 
and they don't value what you're I mean it, it doesn't directly relate to them mm-hmm. you know they don't care if you don't get better they don't really care mm-hmm. the insurance doesn't care they don't have your best interest at heart they're mm-hmm. they're profit organizations yeah. for-profit organizations and you want to trust them to take care of you no you, you need to take ownership in your health and anything and anything in life if you want to be able to like get the most out of it like take ownership don't don't leave it up to other people's you know decisions because they're not going to care about you as much as you should care about yourself i love it okay so we've gone over some of your top influences in terms of uh practitioners are you a reader i read is there any books that really have evolved the way that you think about things and this could be business or practitionership um one of my favorites recent recently well i guess it's not even that recent was um how to win friends and influence people Mm -hmm. carnegie book um classic what else did i really really like right now i'm reading um the obstacles away i'm really enjoying that right holiday and um what else do i have i I read uh, i've got like four or five different different books in the in the mix but i I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and read a lot for my business mentor paul goff so and he pulls from a lot of different different coaches um and I mean, ultimately, it's all about like trying to trying to make yourself better. But I try to I try to read to solve the, the particular problems that I'm having, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. Um, and right now, there's a, just there's always a lot of challenges and opportunities, obstacles away is, is is what I'm pulling a lot from. That's a great one. That one got me through last year. One of the hardest years I've been through. Um, so how about podcasts? What are some of your favorite podcasts that you're getting down with? Uh, I, I listen to Paul Goff's podcast. Uh, it's a, the PT Business School podcast. I think it's what it's called now. Um, and, and truthfully, I don't listen to anything else right now. I've got an eight-minute commute each way. Um, I'm, I, my brain is, is heavily involved with making decisions all damn day. Mm-hmm. And I just want to disconnect mm-hmm. on those eight minutes here and back. I got two kids, you know, I got a family and running a business and, uh, and sometimes it's just like there's saturation and, um, it's easy to like, I think it's, um, what's, how do I want to say it? It, it. It, in the short term, it's very rewarding to like always have like more and more um, knowledge. But like, there's also a point where it's like, no, you need to like do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm in I'm in a very big like, we're doing this stuff right now. Right. Yeah. That's and I find that to be true with me too. It's just an ebb and flow of like, okay, I know what I need to do, and let me just go apply it. And there's hopefully periods of time where it's like, okay. I've executed. Now I can go to a course or I can read a book or listen to a podcast. But as a business owner, as a father, my goodness, like that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, uh, I mean, this idea of decision fatigue is real. Like if you make so many decisions over the course of the day, you're going to get fatigued from making decisions and you're not going to make as good of decisions. So you got to do something to kind of refill your own cup. And in many ways, learning is not that thing. It's meditation or, um, so on that note, is there anything that you found that really does help you to fill your own cup is it surfing is it music oh um i'm still working on that but i'm, I'm trying to get more you know more medicate meditation time and like develop a practice there mm-hmm. but um that's something that that i'm i need to continue to work on nice now i'm stealing this question from you because i think it's good i, I peeked at your little paper there. <laughs> if you could have lunch with anybody and ask them uh, any questions that you want 
they don't have to still be alive, um, who would that person be? A little tastier medicine here. I know, I know. Um, if I could have lunch with anybody, well, let me see. I'm trying Probably to Paul think Goff. of just you, Paul Goff. Just let me get more of that guy. Yeah, yeah, it might be, it might be, but no, I'm just trying to think of like which what problems I have right now. It would probably be somebody that who do I who do I look up to for leadership maybe Simon Sinek he's great yeah start yeah. with why and leaders eat last yeah yeah those are two books that if I there's if anybody asks me like great books that people should start with those are two yeah. that I think leaders are, eat last is great are game changing um, okay cool so to wrap up uh, what can we do to connect with you like if we've got people that resonate and want to yeah um, know, so uh, Instagram is at victoryperformancept.com that's our Facebook too Website is um, www.victoryperformancept.com. Do you take interns? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they can they can go onto the website and there's uh, there's a thing for them to to go through there. What are you looking for in an intern? Sales and marketing. Yeah. Yeah, sales and marketing and and some PT interns too, depending on the on the right you know the right fit. But there's probably more to learn on the business side of things from yeah. us. Um, but really, anybody who's just willing to learn and, and can put the time in and, and wants to deliver value and um, and can be somewhat self uh, not self guided, but like is is motivated to like yeah, it doesn't need to put be spoon fed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It needs it needs to be a good fit for both. Right on. Well, Santo, I just got to say thanks for what you're doing. I mean, yeah. I can tell you're changing lives. You're giving opportunities to great coaches, and uh, I know this is going to inspire a lot of people because what you're doing, it's you know, I read a book. Braving the Wilderness um, by Brene Brown, and that's really what business is. Like we, it, it's wilderness, and it's it's scary. It takes a lot of courage, and uh, and you've done it, and you continue to do it. And I, I really appreciate that. And I also appreciate, of course, having a nice place to, uh, you know, maybe work out a little bit. So thank cool. you so much for talking about performance with yeah, us, brother. and uh, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks.